welcome to a special edition of the Dunces Corner. This is the Dunces Eras, not world tour, but cosmic history tour in honor of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. Matt's shaking his head right now. The queen! Yep, that's right. Matt, <laughs> he, he's on Team Mayor for some reason. You like 22 girls in one And none of them know what they're running from But better music. Arguably, we are. arguably so. I am Dr. Brian Pedraza, and I am joined by a friend and colleague who has tried to be on this show twice and has failed, but we're hoping this is the time. Dr. David Whitten, how's it going? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to be here for the third time. Yes, <laughs> we are excited to have you here for the first and third time. And then, of course, Matt, who's chiming in on Team Mayor. What do you got to say about that again? Better music, better albums. Papa John's. Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> That's the argument right there. Yeah, he's 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 clearly the better musician. That's hands down. You know, that ain't that ain't fair. He just doesn't have a cult following. But like. better albums, I gotta think about that. I gotta think. I don't know if I've ever sat and listened to a John Mayer album and been like, every song on this album's good. Mm, good I point. Can, good I, point. Have, I could say that about multiple people. <laughs> yeah, and that's Rachel uh, chiming in there on Team Swift. <laughs> So, Rachel, how's it going? Whoa, I don't know if I'm Team Swift here. Oh, you, you have I reservations? Think I think I'm neutral in this. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. Um, that might get me canceled. You know, who knows? Right. Um, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I listen to some John Mayer. I'm failing I'm, you in my class. <laughs> I'm not taking your class this semester. Or next semester. Right. Bummer. <laughs> Um, yeah, I used to be, you know, like when I was 13 into Taylor Swift, but that was a long time ago. Was so. it really? Hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> At least a decade. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. I mean, what? we should just stop for a moment and think about what's happening. Like at this Franciscan small Catholic <laughs> university in the middle of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there's a podcast being recorded about Taylor Swift's. Mm-hmm. Well, or at least influenced by her, you know? Yeah. Like, what is going on right now? It's weird. And somehow the Lord's going to use that in his providence. So, uh, the one who came up with this idea is a returning all-star to the dunces, Catherine. What? What? I think the last time I was on here was right... It was at the start of 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. where where's that place you... You had been married? No, I wasn't married yet. You a lot's happened yet. since then. I cut my hair. That's the biggest thing that's happened. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. I would interject that that is not the biggest thing. But <laughs> you cut your hair. Cut my hair. I got married, and then I have a, a little baby. Yay! That's right. You do have a baby. He's cute. That's awesome. Having you and Trey on is always fun because I know. like major events happen each time you guys come on. I know. know. Next time you have us on, like we're gonna buy a house or something. We're gonna buy for you. That's it. That'll be huge. <laughs> It'd be great. Great for our Catherine University. There you go. All you really have to do is be able to purchase St. Francis Hall. Oh, and then we... Then you would own all of Fran U's buildings. (laughs) That we own. That that they own. own. Exactly. We definitely talked about wanting to buy, like, 
I don't know, donate. I don't know how it works, but donate enough money to name one of the rooms. I was say, you wanted your name on something. Yeah, yeah, we definitely. Y'all just want a brick, just like in a pathway. No, I I, I told him, like, I want either a bathroom or a janitor's closet. No, we wanted a lactation room. There is one. There is one. (laughs) Third floor. We wanted to name the lactation room. Mm. And we're just there now. But I'm I'm here. St. Catharines. St. Catharines. Mm -hmm. Of Sienna. Lactation room. Drink the pus. Drink the pus Lactation. can be on the, <laughs> <laughs> can be right on the door. <laughs> That's a Catherine of Sienna story for you. you I don't go. know if we've brought that up on the podcast before. We should, though. Um, by the way, we're also joined for the very first time by Cameron, a theology minor Hello. here at the university. Nice to meet everyone. Nice to meet you, Cameron. Thanks for joining us. Cameron has like some... Coat off. Like the new guy. You are the Very new guy. New. You are the new guy. Make sure you eat the mic, too. Yeah. So you and Dr. Witten need to eat the mic. Uh, Cameron has subjected himself fa- to numerous... I'm, I'm fasting today. I oh, can't start okay. Yeah, yeah. Just get real close then. Yeah. Lo- love the mic. I want to be heard. Yeah. That's right. Cameron's subjected himself to a few of my classes so far. So, uh, yeah, I think you're going to do the minor, right? I think so. Yeah. Good. And just to clarify, I am not a John Mayer fan. Oh, okay. Or a Taylor Swift fan. Oh, neutral Although party. there are a couple songs okay. I've heard that I enjoy. Okay. But I don't follow either. Okay. Yeah. We've got a neutral party here. That's He's good. He's a follower of Christ. That's important. <laughs> oh, my yes. God. That's good. Oh, that's that's good. And who else do you follow? Who do you that's good. like? If, if you had a team, a musician team, who would it be? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say on the theology podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw it out there. Let's see. Well, my musical taste uh, varies. I like a lot of uh, rap. Uh, uh-huh. So. I like Eminem. I'm an Eminem's plain chocolate Santa. And I'm a roasted peanut. And he's the Eminem's candies man. Uh, he's probably my favorite. Um, my top three is Eminem. Do you like the purple ones? Uh, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> keep going, um, Eminem. And then I don't know if y'all have heard of John Bellion. Oh, like yes. Yeah. And then uh, NF. Ooh, that was yeah. uh, NF. Okay, NF. Cool. Coming John yeah. Bellion really? is probably one of the only people. So I accidentally saw him in concert, and that's oh. like my claim to fame because oh, he doesn't tour anymore. Wow. So, and he's awesome. I really like his music. Okay. Okay. But it's very diverse. Okay. And then um, waiting in the wings is the birthday girl, Jaden, who. You know, we're going we're gonna to have to mic her up eventually. She's going to sub in for Dr. Whitten in a moment here. But Jaden, happy birthday. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. You are an awesome person. We're so glad that you're here. Is this Jaden's first time on the podcast? It is Jaden's first time. We've got a lot of newbies coming through, sort of. It's full house. It's weird. First times, <laughs> not first times, third, first. We're all just so nervous and excited. Folks, the idea behind this podcast coming from Catherine is that we would somewhat imitate Taylor in her era's tour. She's going through all of her albums and playing some of the hits from those albums. It doesn't mean it's necessarily your favorite hits that she's playing, but she's playing her favorite hits from the album. So we are going to go through church history and give you some of our hits. So I have haphazardly assigned... Uh, the dunces to a certain period of time in history, and I've asked them to come up with some quote 
or passage that is either really illuminating, that's challenging, maybe both, and to talk about a little bit why is it that's the one that really stood out to them. So we are going to kick things off by traveling in the Dunce's time machine back to the early centuries of the church. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... This is no surprise for those who listen to the podcast. We're going into the desert. We're going into the desert of the third and fourth centuries, and our dunce who wishes she was in a desert all the time <laughs> is Catherine. So, Catherine, tell us about the time in the desert in the third and fourth centuries. What do you got for us? Yeah. So, whenever you were, whenever I pitched this to you, and then you pitched it back as, as uh, you know, going through the eras and doing like focusing on one of them. Uh, I definitely jumped on this one because I do love the Desert Fathers. I love the desert. I still sometimes wish that I lived in a cave uh, yeah. like them. You should ask your real estate agent. I know. That would really be, that's probably in our price range right now. Yeah. Uh, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to live in a cave or a cardboard box. Good luck finding one in Louisiana. I know, cave. right? <laughs> we, we have enough trouble finding like actual rocks or you could do like... Um, an interstate overpass, like just live under there. <laughs> there you go. Instead of the inter- uh, instead of the desert fathers, it's the interstate fathers. Right, they just live like under the interstate. <laughs> um, but it was funny. So going back and like reading through um, just some of the sayings of the desert fathers and mothers. Um, I don't know. I there were a lot that were piercing, and I chose not to read those because I was like, oh, you know. Too too TMI. raw, too real TMI. right now, yeah. you know? Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> but one that did kind of stick out to me, and it just kind of encapsulates, I feel like, uh, the Desert Fathers and going out into the desert. It comes from uh, St. Athanasius writing about the life of St. Anthony uh, the Great. And it is this. And when at last the, perse- the persecution ceased and the blessed Bishop Peter had borne his testimony, Anthony departed and again withdrew to his cell and was there daily a martyr to his conscience and contended in the conflicts of faith and his and his discipline was much severer for he was ever fasting and he had a garment of hair on the inside while the outside was skin, which he kept until his end. And he neither bathed his body with water to free himself from filth, nor did he ever wash his feet, nor even endure so much as to put them in water unless compelled by necessity. Nor did anyone even see him unclothed or his body naked at all, except for his death when he was buried. Ooh. 
Wow. Nice. <laughs> Matt's like, what's so extraordinary about what you just read? I know. So I... <laughs> so, no, I... <laughs> is that what this moment was? <laughs> I'm catching stray bullets for no reason. <laughs> but no, when I read this, I was like, there's something noble yet mysterious and kind of whimsical um even if it may not appear that way to everyone else i don't know i just like i i think i personally am very quick to romanticize the desert because it's like oh my gosh it's so like i don't know it's barren it's barren and aesthetic i when i was writing notes for this i wrote um if the Desert Fathers had an Insta, which they totally wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. There would be no Instagram uh, for the Desert Fathers. Right. Uh, but it would be like aesthetic pics of their asceticism. Ooh, so, aesthetic aesthetic. As- aesthetic oh, and aesthetic, man. right? Yeah, nice, um, nice. So it'd be like their hair shirts and dirty feet, and it'd all be captioned like, I'm a slave of the Lord. And it would be like next to a picture. <laughs> That's so edgy. I know, right? How how surprising so it, the OG emos? Question mark? <laughs> that, isn't that like the Burning Man festivals? Isn't that exactly what they all look like? <laughs> Everyone's dogs are no out, idea. as my students sure like to call Los them. Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> Cameron said that's Los Angeles. <laughs> Ouch! Ooh, zing. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. So this basically generalizes uh, the ascetic practices of the Daily Fathers, uh, the Desert Fathers, who were daily martyrs, right? And I think what is so attractive about that, uh, to me at least, is that there was this daily martyrdom, and. I think it sounds easy for me looking at it because I don't necessarily have to do it. Um, but that's where the discipline comes in, right? And which is the heart of kind of that more attractiveness for me, like that they had the discipline to do that and that they had that discipline to be like, okay, I'm going to wear this hair shirt even when I don't feel like it. I'm not going to scratch that itch even when I'm really itchy. Um And of course, like the goal of that is to die to one's own desires in an effort to be absolutely open to the Lord, which honestly is the most attractive thing ever, you know, besides Trey, my husband, but. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Different kind of hair shirt. Different kind of hair shirt. Exactly. (laughs) Shout out to Trey (laughs) and Dr. Wooden making it weird. (laughs) Totally weird. No, I'm loving this, Catherine. Yeah. So Anthony is in many ways, like the father of the desert life. So he's third century, I believe. Um, and then Athanasius writes about him. And he's sort of like the forerunner of this movement where men and women would move out to the desert areas, to the wilderness areas, because that's where the Lord went to wrestle with the enemy. So, And especially as Christianity became legalized in the Roman Empire, the fight wasn't necessarily in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't external. The fight moved interiorly, like you're saying. So martyrdom, in some sense, becomes interior. It's an interior martyrdom. So yeah, that's good stuff, Catherine. I'm loving yeah. that. The other thing that's really fascinating that that about that the reason Athanasius is out in the desert is because the Roman centurions are hunting him, right? Because after oh. um, Nicaea, there's this conflict over um, how to think about uh, the the sun. And he's in, yeah, he's in exile. He's in exile, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and yeah, literally yeah. the the emperor has, who's an Arian has sent out the Roman legions hunting for him, and nobody will turn him over. So he's out in the desert, literally, sort of being a martyr himself. Yeah, uh, in this as well. So that the, the larger context makes it even that sense more poignant 
Um, it's a God's providence that he's in exile. He can write about right. the desert, and then that helps bring in more people to the desert. You know? And here's Catherine. Uh, Living there, too. Yeah, wanting to live there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the hair shirt. <laughs> Fantastic. So our next hop on the Dunces time machine uh, is not moving too far, I gather, because, uh, Rachel, I've asked you to give us a bit from the early church. I didn't want to short sell the, you know, the early church. The Desert Fathers is its own thing, but there's so many good uh, saints and fathers and documents, theologians that we're getting from the first few centuries of the church. So where are you going to take us? So I think... I'm taking from St. Augustine, Ooh, um, the Confessions, which nice. I think is second or third. Late, no, late fourth into oh, fourth? fifth. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Google failed me. Um, I'm, <laughs> I took church history Lesson last semester. Lesson kids right Hold there. On. I was going to say, I took, I took church history last semester, but numbers, I just, we don't go together. Numbers and I, I just, Aren't you a business minor? Yeah, but that doesn't Marketing. necessitate. Marketing. <laughs> Ra- Rachel's uh, take on Augustine was written by ChatGPT. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the passion that I have. It comes from the second book of the Confessions. Um, and so Augustine says, um, See now, let my heart confess to you what it was seeking there when I was being gracious, gratuitously wicked, having no inducement to evil, but the evil itself. It was foul and I loved it. I loved my own undoing. I loved my error, not that for which I erred, but for the error itself. Um, so when I first read it, it drew me back to, I think it's, is it Paul who says like, I love, I love, it's essentially like, I love my sin, but like, I love. Oh yeah. 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 I I do what I don't want to do. Romans Romans seven. Yeah. 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 Romans. Um, so I don't know. I just like when I read that, I think especially coming out of this Lenten season of just like like still um still struggling with like and I think this is something the Lord was working on really in particular with me this Lent is like like there is a degree of like I'm comfortable doing the things that I don't want to do. Um, even though there's always that afterwards of like, oh, dang it. Like like here we are again, you know, here we go again. Um, and so when I saw what I was assigned, I was kind of like, oh crap, like, I don't even know who, like, Mm. who are, who's in these centuries. And then I started looking and was like, oof, Augustine. Um, and he just always, um, is really relatable, especially in this, um, just this current sphere of like really desiring like a purification from my sin, you know? Um, Mm. and then I read that and I was like, okay, Augustine freak. (laughs) That's right. You were like, I, I remember that all too well. <laughs> yeah. The 10-minute version. Uh, yeah. 10-minute version. No, a sweater in the drawer. No, that is a... a uh, Whatever, same thing. That's, that's, a, that's a juicy passage, ton, total, pun totally intended there, right? Because yeah. this is the time right after he steals the pears. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, it's an interesting passage. I, I wish we could yank Dr. Owens into this, our Augustine mm-hmm. expert, but... So Augustine talks about uh, loving evil for evil's sake in that passage. That's what you're reading. But I don't know if that's ultimately like why he's saying those things. I guess he's showing the irrationality of evil for sure, but that's not where he lands. He lands as it's actually impossible to do evil for evil's sake. Right. right. I mean, it has, you no, it, has no, it has no meaning in, it, in itself. I mean, so some scholars will say that he's 
so Aristotle says, right, everybody, every action we do, we do because we're pursuing some sort of good that we think. So one way scholars are reading that is it's a reaction to that, saying, no, sometimes we do actions, there's no good there at all. Because I mean, when he steals those pears, he's like, I've had better pears. Like, I was just stealing it for the sake of stealing it. Mm-hmm. There was no actual good that he was pursuing, because I could get better pears at home, basically. Um, so that's one sort of way of, of reading that sort of, you know, we don't always pursue goods um, that okay. we think we're doing. So that's one way I've seen some scholars attract that. But then a few paragraphs later, he says he did it because he was in a crowd and wanted to. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> so it was peer pressure. Like people peer who follow, pressure. like people who follow Taylor Swift. <laughs> Wow. Jump off, Matt. <laughs> I don't fall into that peer no. pressure. Yeah. I, I, I hitched myself to that wagon way before there were people on it, man. She was still twirling in sundresses with before teardrops on her guitar, you know? Before yeah, that's, John Mayer. That's okay. right. That's right. He was there for debut. That's right. She was saying Tim McGraw, you know, back when mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> that was my era, too, yeah. but I grew out of it. Yeah, and oh and Cameron gave me a good uh, laugh at my dad joke about peer pressure. That was nice. <laughs> I, like, I liked it. I appreciate that. Okay, we are hopping on the time machine again, and this time we are headed to the period of monastic theology. And Dr. Wood and I gave you a giant time period because monastic theology really goes pretty far. So, where are you going to take us when it comes to the monasteries? Oh, we're going to start at the beginning and the end. We're gonna. I'm going to give you two quotes because that's, that's just how awesome. it has to happen. So. Yeah, because you gave me seven centuries, right? I mean, that's right. So that's, that's a little bit more than like, just give me the Desert Fathers. Um, so we're going to start with the rule of St. Benedict, which is uh, one of the ways that the, the monastic movement, at least in the West, really gets kicked off. And there had been a pretty robust monastic uh, movement before that, but there's a sort of long history about how the rule of St. Benedict has this impact. So I'm going to read you the English translation, then I'm going to actually read, I went back and translated it out of the Latin today, because that's what we do, right? Um, so in the, the one that we assign in nice. class on the rule of St. Benedict, um, it says, day by day, remind yourself that you're going to die. Now, the actual translation that I did, it says, with a spiritual desire completely long for eternal life, recognizing death daily before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that one better. Yeah, me too. It's nicer. Um, it's interesting, because like it says, um, when I say a, a, a desire completely long, the actual word is concupiscence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's actually a sort of a longing for um, eternal life, right? A Mm -hmm. desire for eternal life. So it's sort of set off there. Um, But yeah, recognizing death daily before your eyes. So some people are going to be thrown off because you said that. So concupiscence in just its general Latin term, Deals with desire. Desire, right. Not necessarily with disorder like we has come to be associated in right. the tradition. Exactly. Right? So the, yeah. the, the word just means desire right. in general, but we've, again, because of Augustine and others, thought about, okay, one of the results of, of um, the fall is that we're stuck with this concupiscence that makes us desire things that we shouldn't desire. So it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition. Um, with, I first heard this uh, was before I was Catholic. And I was at uh, St. Gregory's Monastery in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And we were there for a week-long retreat in class, uh, and one of the monks took us on a tour. And he says, I'm going to start in the cemetery. Uh, And he used this quote, and he says, my goal is to end up in the cemetery. He's in it now. 
because mm. um, he uh, just died uh, within the last year. Um, and he gave this quote. It's the sort of thing like we we had been aside to read the rule of St. Benedict before class, before the week, and your eyes just sort of skim over it. And then so for him to center that quote as the basis of his life as a Benedictine monk, you know, almost 1,600 years later, really sort of caught my attention. Like, okay, this is there's something different going on here, right? Uh, this paying attention to, you know, what's to come, right? And mm-hmm. and then to think that you have to recognize death daily before your eyes. Um, and, I, you know, I think back to the 5th century and, and, and the monks, you know, we live in a world with a much longer lifespan, mm-hmm. um, where they lived in a world with plagues and diseases that they had no cure for. So, in one sense, I think they, the nature of their lives kept death daily before them in their eyes hmm. um, in ways that were perhaps inured to um, now because, I mean, you know, even like, you know, something, you know, like infants live much longer, right? Yeah. The infant mortality rates can significantly different. I mean, whenever people talk about like, why would you baptize babies? I'm like, well, if one in five babies dies in the first five months, you're going to mm-hmm. take infant baptism like really seriously, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want your kid to go to hell, yeah. right? So it's so sometimes our context uh, doesn't allow us to see these things the way they were. So um, th- that's, a, a, I think, a big part of the monastic life, the Benedictine life, is to constantly keep that. And so what is it that I need to do to desi- if I'm desiring eternal life with my whole heart? Um, with all of my desires, and I'm keeping that death in front of me. Um, how do I order my life? What does that look like when I actually have to take the prospect of my death on a daily basis seriously? What am I doing? Mm. Um, what am I? Is this the start of the memento mori tradition? Do you think? I, I don't know. I, so I was wondering that, um, but because memento mori means to keep in mind y- mm-hmm. your death. Um, but certainly, that's it's been there from for a long from, time. For, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's one of the ways to understand um, the monastic life and, and why people are there and, wh- and what they're doing. Hmm. So, that's the first quote. Okay. Okay, so let's skip forward. Let's skip oh, forward I don't know, now. about seven centuries or so to another and, Benedictine. Okay. okay. And I, I was just going to say, I die a little bit each time Matt listens to Paper Doll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every day. You don't know when I listen to Paper Doll. Yeah. <laughs> Feel it. There's, there's All right, a little go for it. It's like a disturbance We're in moving, the force. That's right. <laughs> disturbance in the force. Okay. We're moving ahead. We're moving ahead to a Benedictine monk and uh, prior and abbot. Actually, he was never, was he ever a prior? Yeah, he was a prior. Um, Anselm of Canterbury. Oh, no wow. surprise. Those, those who know Dr. Whitten. I'm shocked. <laughs> Anselm is my homeboy mug. Yeah. If oh, ever my said, gosh. Of course you do. No, he doesn't have one, but, have you, but you should give him one. Yeah. I don't drink okay. coffee, so why would I have a coffee mug oh that says anything? Gosh. For tea. You don't I drink, don't drink tea either. Coffee? For water. I've, I've never had a drink of coffee in my life. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some people have there to. There is so much judgment <laughs> and some people, in this moment. Some people have to, and some people get to drink coffee. <laughs> oh, There's a difference. And some people aren't so weak that they need it. <laughs> you know what? You drink a cup of black coffee and you let me know how weak you have to drink it. <laughs> Why would I drink something that tastes like dirt? Okay. <laughs> coffee noise is just for Rachel. <laughs> All right, let, let's hear the start. There you go. All right. Um, so, Anselm, yes, if you've sat through one of my classes, you've almost invariably read like the Proslogi and Ocrides Homo or something like that. Um, it's this line from chapter 18 of the Proslogian. What are you, Lord? 
What are you? How should my heart understand you? Mm. What are you, Lord? What are you? How should my heart understand you? Now, it's fascinating because I had read that passage many times, but it's actually one of my students who um, actually works over at the hospital now, 10 years ago, who wrote a journal about that. Um, She was actually on her way uh, to pick up her brother who'd been incarcerated for eight years, and she wrote her journal, and and she picked that line out of it. Hmm. Um, And I'd read it, and I was like, but I'd never read it. And her picking it out was really a, a beautiful way of opening my eyes up to some of what's going on in Anselm's meditations. Um, because I think it's actually fitting with the other text from the Rule of St. Benedict, right? This um, desire to completely long for eternal life and this desire to know God. So when people read Anselm's so-called you know, proof of the existence of God, often called the ontological proof, um, they get focused on this. And I love teaching that, right? That God is that which none greater can be conceived. It's a beautiful, concise way of thinking about God. Um, But I always have to point out to students that it's not just an intellectual exercise, that the contemplation of God for Anselm is existential, right? Um, I mean, you hear that longing, what are you, Lord? What are you? Mm. And then notice, not what shall my head understand you to be, what shall my heart understand Mm. you to be? Right, that there, it's not him for for Anselm strictly this intellectual exercise. It's, it's a it's an exercise in in love and desire um, to know more about God. And to me, that's really, I mean, Anselm's known for thinking of theology as faith seeking understanding. Mm-hmm. But I mean, notice there's it's he wants to know so he can love because mm-hmm. he has this desire in his heart, yeah, not yeah. just in his head. Um, to know God. And so, I, you know, I think you span those seven centuries and you see this is the monastic life, right? It's being aware of one's limitations, both sort of in your physical life and in your intellectual life, uh, and knowing that in both cases, only God's really going to fill, f- fulfill that desire, only that full knowledge of God is going to fulfill that desire. And I think that really explains a lot of monastic life during that time period and afterwards. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, it makes me think that we could all use our, a little monasticism ourselves, right? Like, so you, you were forced to taste a little bit of it during the pandemic, during lockdown. <laughs> um, but you could waste that time, or you could spend the time, like the monks did, um, not only working, but also reflecting and praying. And mm-hmm. it's only in that time of self-reflection can you really ask the big questions like that, right? Like, what are you? And not just like in some heady philosophical way, so you could win a you know debate on Reddit or something, but like because it means something to you, you know. Like I, I need to know, I need to know what you are. So that's really beautiful. Yeah, love that. So uh, Dr. Whitten, he's headed out of here. Yes, uh, we're switching the mic over to Jaden. I think Matt needs to do a quick just show of what he's about to discuss for Dr. Whitten. Oh, yeah. Where's my mic? (laughs) (laughs) So this is, it'll be hard for you to hear this because I'm about to beat Matt over the head with his mic. (laughs) So so my students know there's always like two ways to get me really riled up. One (laughs) Right is to give me the the so-called prayer of Saint Francis, the peace prayer, which is 
Not written by St. Francis. Well, St. Francis had a time machine to go to 1915, write the piece for go back. back. Well, that, he, maybe he was not a, not only able to bilocate, right, but to, to bilocate in time or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's a miracle that we, the, the peace prayer of St. Francis. So, yeah, that's one of the things that will get me really fired up. So, thank what? you very much, Matt, for showing that. Um, this will be Matt's last time on the podcast. <laughs> uh, look for his body in uh, Catherine's cave. Memento mori. <laughs> AKA in yeah. under the overpass. Somewhere. The overpass. Keep your death daily before you, Matt. <laughs> Just so you know. So that, we've already got a, a teaser then. We're hopping in the Dunst DeLorean, and it's taking us to the late 12th into the 13th century. And to, the 1900s. Oh, <laughs> and the 1900s. <laughs> For the early mendicants, because, okay, someone might ask, what's the difference between uh, the monks and the mendicants? And what would you say? Who knows the answer? Uh, They're poor. Yeah, I was going to say, mendicants are beggars by... yeah. Uh, charism yeah 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 so they don't own anything like at all i don't think excellent answer correct so they beg hence the name Catherine, were you going to chime in with something uh you can correct me if i'm wrong but i want to say the mendicants are a bit more out in the world out and about Mm. than the monks correct that's right monks are vowed to the same place yeah they're they're the pieces on the chessboard that can move diagonally (laughs) (laughs) they're not they're not bound to uh the rooks and the bishops Uh, (laughs) if we created our own chess version yeah that's right would the cfrs be considered mendicants yes they they sure are that's right and if we had a monk piece on the chessboard it wouldn't be able to go anywhere yeah because sure. it would have, it would to, have stay. to stay yeah, so right. would it be like the king Ooh, no the king, no, the can king move moves one. Move. Like, yeah but like yeah. it can't move far the monk I, well, the, the monk, monk can't it's like move a last all. resort yeah the monk can't move at all it just a it's just there can't they just stay and stays in praise yeah this is a new version of chess yeah so monks take a vow of stability and then uh because at the time there was a needed reform in the monasteries. There was uh, too much wealth, uh, too much power associated with nobility. Um, Francis and Dominic were the ones to really say, we need a movement towards poverty. So that's how the mendicant orders got started. And it is Matt who's going to bring us there. What do you got for us, Matt? So, uh, obviously the peace prayer, <laughs> except that joke is no longer as funny because Dr. Wood, oh, Rachel's taking a picture. Sorry. Got to keep up that Theo Insta, you know? Hey, That's no. right. That's um, right. So, and start the other, the aesthetic, aesthetic. Yeah. And take a picture of yeah. my dogs. And then- <laughs> That's not. Nobody wants to That's see that. That's not. Okay. So people need to know, our listeners are going to be like, what are they talking about? Francis did not write they the did peace not. prayer. He, he did not. Yeah, like make me a channel of your peace. No, that was written in like 1915 because of World War One. So that like, unless Saint Francis had a time machine, which would be not very Franciscan of Saint Francis. That (laughs) right, that's right. Yeah, unless he borrowed somebody's time machine, then yeah, they had those back then. yeah. Yeah, he didn't write that. Okay. So what do you really have? So uh, it's from the Canticle of the Creatures at the end when he's talking about death. So uh, it reads, Praise be you, my Lord, through our 
sister bodily death, from whom no one, no living thing can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. Blessed are those whom death will find in your most holy will, for the second death shall do them no harm. And it, I mean, Dr. Witten just talked about you're, it. You're but, keeping us on the memento mori. Yeah, and it's also nice. appropriate because, you know, Dr. Witten said, you know, Look for my body. So, you know, <laughs> maybe this was the Holy Spirit being like, hey, the, the end is near. Um, death, death. Right. Death. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where, like, obviously during Lent, we, you know, you kind of have to die to yourself and, like, your desires and stuff. And we're just coming out of that. And then, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of teaching demonstrations at the university recently where we had to read Genesis and the Canonical of the Creatures. So, mm-hmm. like, everyone kept bringing up that, like, in part. Is really important. I think it is. And then also, you know, it says, you know, woe to those who die in mortal sin. So it also kind of brought up like the importance of the sacrament of confession and like the graces we can get from that. And like, if you stay in a state of grace, like you really have no reason to fear death. So Mm. that's where I'm going with that. Amen. Amen. So yeah, since let's actually, since we're getting reminded over and over again about this, I'll just throw it out there. Has anybody ever had a moment where you thought about like, I am going to die? Like, one day I will die. Whenever I said the peace prayer to Dr. Yeah. Wood just now. Yeah. <laughs> Besides that. Funnily enough, I did have a moment last night when I was reflecting on, on things where I was like, oh, shoot, I am going to die. That's mm. kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, got a little uncomfy. Yeah. And okay. then tried to go to sleep. It was tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaden, the birthday girl, is nodding too. On her birthday, of all things. <laughs> I mean, you, you've thought about, wow, I'm going to die one day. Yeah, just specifically with like this week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's recent. It's recent. You only you only have to go there if you want to, Jaden. No, it's okay. I I had gotten in Iraq on Monday, and it was just it was way it was not as bad as it could have been, but it was just still very very scary. And I was like mm-hmm. just sitting for a while after, and I was like, wow, like I don't know, I really could have died. Like if it would have mm. been worse, like I could have died today. Yeah. And so it was just weird. I'm so glad that you did not do that. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad. <laughs> See, similarly for me, you know, whenever my little sister drives me around, I also oh think my this could be it, you know? <laughs> you know which sister I'm talking about. Oh, man. Look at that. So mean. You're just <laughs> dealing it out today. I yeah. have the opposite problem when my brother drives. I'm like, this is it. This is it. I am dying. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so safe, in other words. Is he still driving that green truck? Yeah. Oh, no, no. No. The green truck. The it green blew truck up. died. My late grandfather up. had a, a, a sticker that he would put on his car, the Sacred Heart Auto League, which I never knew it was about until he died. And then I Googled it. And it's really an auto league where the members promise to always drive the speed limit and to increase devotion to the Sacred Heart. I was like, my grandpa was a part of that. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. So maybe your brother could look into that. Yeah. I'll mention it to him. (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. Not sure where I'm going with that one, but uh, yeah. This is really off the rails today. Yeah, we're hopping back into the time machine, folks. That's Ugh. what we need to do. Buckle up, because we are moving ahead into the 13th and the 14th century. This is when theology starts to explode in the universities, 
bringing us the time period of high scholasticism. And so you get the greats like Aquinas and Bonaventure and Scotus, the original dunce. And it's Cameron who's going to take us there. What do you got for us, Cameron? I got a lot for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a lot. I got a bone to pick with you, actually. Oh, I'm I think up. you assigned the hardest one to me. Oh. <laughs> Keep it moving. He, he probably did. You oh. did. Like, give and it, I'm, gi- glad, I'm grateful you gave me some examples, but I didn't use them. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do that. But anytime I hear the word, the name Aquinas, I have some trepidation because I'm like, right. I want to stay far away from reading him as possible. I'm sorry for that. Just because. Feel that. Feel yeah. Just that. because. I'm okay like, with that statement because this is a Franciscan podcast. It's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Not because he isn't great, but just because right. he's the guy. He's the highest intellect That's right. in the church history, basically. I don't know. He's one of the top. Ten, at least. Oh yeah, yeah. He's on the so, Mount Rushmore, no doubt. He's in a Watch Mojo video. <laughs> Good luck with your your theology career here at Free New. You will fall. You will. You'll stumble across him. Yep, you're gonna get yeah, some I'm Aquinas. Sure I have at some point. But, and uh, definitely gonna get some Bonaventure if you haven't yet. Oh yeah, Bonaventure is great though. Yeah, Bonaventure is the big home fan. Man. Yeah, if Brother Mariano CFR was here, he would say, "I'm sorry for I'm that. sorry for you. I'm sorry <laughs> for that that you had to read Aquinas." But go ahead. What do you have for us? Yeah. So according to my Google research, <laughs> I just did a couple quotes. And the one that stuck out to me the most was, I have no idea where it's from, but he said, not everything that is more difficult is more meritorious. Mm. So that is significant to me because I put that into my own life in terms of prayer. And so Dr. Pedraza can definitely attest to this because I just did a presentation on prayer in the prayer life. And so I think a lot of us get wrapped up in the fact that we are such a task-oriented society. And so, like, the more difficult challenge you accomplish, the more, I guess, uh, like, the more results you will get. And so, in the same way, I kind of get tripped up in that um, thought process when, you know, sometimes saying 50 rosaries in a week isn't necessarily, like, the best option. Mm. Yeah. If you have the wrong mindset or the yeah, wrong yeah, intentions, yeah. sometimes maybe just one Hail Mary with, like, full... Mm. Intent, mm. and I think Doctor Witten said, with like the the heart, mm-hmm. is definitely more important than the more difficult challenge you completed. And then also, like I like giving like physical analogies. So, like if <laughs> if you go to the gym and you do like you know say bench press for instance, if you just throw a bunch of weight on there and you bench it, like struggle, it, but you get the weight up, that doesn't necessarily recruit the right muscles. Yeah. To be activated and to grow. So it's like so going yeah. against the, you know, the saying like no pain, no gain. It's yeah. like going against that to be like, no, I mean, you don't wanna you don't wanna like kill yourself in order yeah. to or like injure yourself in the same yeah. way I could I don't know how you would injure yourself in the prayer life, but maybe <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I got from that. So I don't know if anyone else agrees or disagrees. Yeah, I, I vibe with that. I think one of the one of the Desert Father quotes that that I was going to um talk about was something similar it was talking about how oh this hunter guy was like going up to uh father anthony and was like hey go how do this is a a direct quote obviously um (laughs) i think i remember reading this (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it was like hey yo (laughs) 
Forget what he says. Yeah, that was the quote. Yeah, it was that exact one, right? <laughs> but St. Anthony was like, yes. St. <laughs> Anthony Absolutely. was essentially like, okay, well, what happens if you keep like drawing your bow? And he was like, well, it's going to break because I, I keep uh, I keep drawing it. I'm not like letting it rest. And he was like, yeah, exactly. So like, let your people rest too. You know, don't don't overexert yourself. Um, you know, within reason because it's all about it's all about balance. And there is some need for like pushing yourself, but also like keep it the one hair shirt. You know? Yeah, you know, like don't Easy. wear a hair shirt on your head. I don't know. That yep. Don't have. 20- I think we all have hair shirts on, on our head. head. Yeah. No, we just don't have, have hair on our head. Don't have twenty four hair shirts. Mm. Right, right. So I'm mm. I'm digging into where this quote actually comes from. So, Cameron, I have found it in the Summa. So, so it is from him. Oh, that's, that's the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big one. You don't don't trust Google here. Let's. Uh, so this is Article Eight of. Let's see. Uh, we're in the Secunda Secunde. So the second part of the second part, and we are on Question Twenty Seven, which has to do with the principal act of charity, which is to love. And then Article Eight, he asks this question. Whether it is more meritorious to love one's neighbor than to love God. So do you get more merit from loving your neighbor than from God? Which we're like, come on, why would... But let's hear one of the objections. Objection three. Further, whatever is more difficult seems to be more virtuous and meritorious, since virtue is about that which is difficult and good. That's straight from Aristotle. Now it is easier to love God than to love one's neighbor, both because all things love God naturally and because there is nothing unlovable in God. And then Dr. Petraza's aside, and we all have neighbors that annoy the heck out of us, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to get, it. I'm going to go down to his reply to the objection. This is where it comes in. The good has more than the difficult to do with the reason of merit and virtue. So you only grow in virtue in doing the good. Mm. Now, granted, uh, the difficult good can be more meritorious than the easy good, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're going to grow more when you're going to have to push yourself a little bit more, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing. But good is more important than difficult when it comes to this. And then he says, because good has more to do with the reason of merit and virtue, therefore, it does not follow that whatever is more difficult is more meritorious, but only what is more difficult and at the same time better. So difficult alone is not going to get you virtue. Don't do stuff just because it's hard. You've got to do stuff that's good and hard. (laughs) I like that one, Cameron. Thank you. That's good stuff. Okay, we're going to hop back on to the time machine, and I think it's me this time. So, we are moving ahead to the period of Tridentine all the way to early modern theology, so the 16th to 19th centuries, and I'm going to lean to the end of that into the 19th century to the guy that everybody goes to when you're talking about the 19th century, and that's Cardinal Newman. So, Newman is famous for many things, but... One of them is his idea about doctrine develops, okay? This was a big deal at the time because 
uh, it, you might be tempted to think that what is true is what our Lord handed on to the apostles right from the beginning, and it's just the job to preserve that stuff. And it was given whole, entire, and understood comprehensively then, and we're just handing on that understanding as it goes along. Um, this gets, uh, you might say, popularized when people try to use like the telephone game analogy, okay? Mm-hmm. So, telephone game, uh, which whenever my kids and I go to Popoletas Mexican ice cream, we eat delicious ice cream and then we play the telephone game, right? And normally, uh, one of my boys says something utterly ridiculous, and it usually helps if it kind of rhymes, because then people are going to get it mixed up as it gets tossed around. So then you whisper into the person's ear, and they whisper it into somebody's ear. It keeps going. You're only allowed to say it once. There's no repeats. And then the last person has to like proclaim out loud what it is that the first person said, and it's normally way off, right? So that makes you think that purity is at the source, and then things just get worse and worse. It unravels as it goes on in time. Now, here's what Newman has to say. His prose, I mean, he's so eloquent, but we're not used to people speaking like this. So, like, you know, buckle up and, you know, get, get ready for this one. But whatever be the risk of corruption from intercourse with the world around, such a risk must be encountered if a great idea is duly to be understood, and much more if it is to be fully exhibited. So right away, I'm going to pause. He's saying, the more things interact with other things, the better. We think that that makes it worse, Mm -hmm. that you lose whatever it is. Like, the truth gets dulled or twisted or darkened or something like that. He's arguing for the opposite. It is elicited and expanded by trial and battles into perfection and supremacy. Nor does it escape the collision of opinion, even in its earlier years. Nor does it remain truer to itself and with a better claim to be considered one and the same, though externally protected from vicissitude and change. So it's not necessarily better if you're just protected from everything and it's not able to interact with contrary opinions and other thoughts that are present in any time period. It is indeed sometimes said that the stream is clearest near the spring. That would be like the telephone game. Whatever use may fairly be made of this image, it does not apply to the history of a philosophy or belief, which on the contrary is more equable and purer and stronger when its bed has become deep and broad and full. And that only happens as it expands from the source. It necessarily rises out of an existing state of things and for a time savors of the soil. Its vital element needs disengaging from what is foreign and temporary and is employed in efforts after freedom, which become more vigorous and hopeful as its years increase. So in other words, if you're able to take the initial idea and it continues to move in the stream of tradition you will be able to see what is actually essential to the thing itself and what just belonged to that time period. Mm. So there might be a way that you frame something, a teaching, that actually just fit that time period and those temporary things get worn off as it moves uh, down the stream. 
Its beginnings are no measure of its capabilities, nor of its scope. At first, no one knows what it is or what it's worth. It remains, perhaps for a time, quiescent. It tries, as it were, it limbs, and it proves the ground under it and feels its way. From time to time, it makes essays which fail, and arc in consequence abandoned. It seems in suspense which way to go, it wavers, and at length strikes out in one definite direction. In time, it enters upon strange territory. Points of controversy alter their bearing, parties rise and around it, dangers and hopes appear in new relations, and old principles reappear under new forms. It changes with them in order to remain the same. And then here's the part that everybody usually quotes from this passage. In a higher world it is otherwise, but here below, to live is to change, and to be perfect is to have changed often. I love this quote. Because it's, it's very, um, well, number one, it influenced my favorite theologian, Joseph Ratzinger, immensely in his own thinking during the council, in which the church is wrestling how, with how do you give the treasures of the church to modern men and women so that they understand. And um, he gave that very famous speech to the Curia, I believe it was 2005, a Christmas speech where he talked about um, tradition is not exemplary of discontinuity as some people would treat the council. You know, so, for instance, the Lefebvreists uh, who think that Vatican II messed everything up, right? That's discontinuity then. You're saying like a break happened, like a, a complete, utter break in the most important parts. And then um, progressives also say the same thing, that Vatican II caused a break. It's just that they're happy about it, right? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the ultra-conservatives are unhappy that a supposed break broke a break happened, and then the progressives are happy that the break happened. And Benedict is saying, and part of this comes from Newman, like no, um, real tradition has a deep continuity on the essential level, and then on the superficial level, there are discontinuities that will change. And that's what Newman's getting at here, right? Only when you go through the river of time and you bang up against the rocks and against other ideas and what other people say, do you really get to the purity of the idea. And it's because God's revelation is so immense and so rich that this happens. It's not like um, you could exhaust everything that the Bible has to say. You know, like, oh, I read it once, I'm good. I got it all, like... There's no more riches to mine from Scripture or something like that, right? Newman says, no, 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 something that immense, you sort of get parts of it, you see sides of it, but it's bigger than you, and it's bigger than what any one person can do. And so doctrine develops the more that all of these pieces get formed and put together, and you're able to see the whole. You're able to see things more clearly as time goes on. So I think it's fascinating you know, I love that it influenced Pope Benedict, and it rings true for me. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We recently read um, in Ecclesiology. We're looking at the the Second Vatican Council specifically right now, and we recently read um, like a piece about like basically what happened after the council, like after everything was kind of like all said and done. We've talked a lot about the way that it was implemented. And how, like, like we're reading the documents, yeah. you know, um, and like reading the documents and looking at 
what we see as the church today, like you can still see like the way that they were poorly implicated, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that they took place in the church. And, um, I also just think it's super interesting of like looking at like what the documents say and what people who probably haven't read them are like, Oh, well this is, you know, like this Mm -hmm. is Vatican too. And then you look back and you're like, no, like that was actually just a liberty that was taken that no one ever said, Oh yeah, go ahead. You know, maybe it was, uh, like a parish priest or something that said, oh, well, this is what we're going to do. Right. But like that order didn't come from the council. Like it's not. Right. Some people hate Vatican II in quotes, have never actually read anything that it says. Yeah. 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 Or I could totally see too, where like you choose bits and pieces of it and you're like, mm-hmm. well, this is what this says. So this is what the whole thing says. Yeah. You know? Yeah, instead of taking it all in its context. I was once told, fun fact, that Vatican II, this was at a, at a teaching conference thing. I was once told that Vatican II was all about education. And it was a conference about education. Oh, man. <laughs> they they really read into everything. Yeah, there they really, they, they did their research and they were like, you know what? This uh, whole council on whole education. Thing, just on education. There you yeah, go. That's, that's what happens when people hold up a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> That happens a lot in theology, right? It like does. this whole thing is about this, and it it's does. like that looks a lot like you. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's hop back into the time machine, shall we? And we're going to move uh, really close to today, or maybe to today. I'm not sure where Jaden's taking us, but I've given her the modern period, so 20th century to today, and the birthday girl herself is going to bring us to our last stop. Where are we headed, Jaden? <laughs> So I actually had something from the wrong time period, and I re- just realized it just now. <laughs> oh, something happened to the DeLorean. It was like just malfunction. Before. Okay, I had something from um, Archbishop Sheen, but oh. he was, died just oh. before Fulton Sheen. Okay. Yeah. Isn't so I still have that one, but I also have one from St. Pope John Paul II that I just found. First, let's, let's take Fulton Sheen. Let's well, see what Fulton you got. Fulton Sheen technically is the right time period. Yeah, isn't he 20th century? Yeah, he, yeah. he was on Because he was on TV. He was on TV. 20th century is the 1900s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're good. Fulton oh, Sheen okay, is cool. 20th century. Right. He, like, yeah. Okay. He's Let me see then. Recent enough. Modern. He actually I'm had a number so one excited. primetime TV show, which is hard to believe, right? Yeah. That there was a Catholic and priest. And he wore a cape. Yep. That's yep. right. <laughs> and he wore it well. So the quote is this. Um, Patience is power. Patience is not an absence of action. Rather, it is timing. It waits on the right time to act for the right principles and in the right way. So kind of mm. short, but mm. I really liked that one because, I don't know, patience has just been a... Like, I don't know. I would always like grow up. Everyone would be like, "Don't pray for patience." Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just really trips. realized like that that's something that's like so important. And like, I don't know. I've, it, it's so it's connected to humility. Also, I feel like mm-hmm. um, very strongly. And so, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times people can think that it's just like patience is just doing nothing. But it was really, it was good for me to read that it's like, it's timing. It really is. Have you had to experience? I have. (laughs) And it's power? And how so? Um, Let's see. I don't know if I can think of a specific 
way but I don't know just realizing that like having patience and like with God's plan for me especially it's just like not I'm not just like sitting back doing nothing and I know that like it's just God's timing mm-hmm. for mm. me and That's like right. I don't know I'm not sitting back and being like this is never gonna happen or like I will never get what I want it's just realizing that like this probably isn't the best time for that yet yeah and this can be a time of cultivation for you if you receive it correctly, right? Where the Lord is actually forming you to engage in the thing that you're supposed to engage in. Right, Rachel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was literally just sitting here like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Rachel had that look on her face like, ugh. Uh, no, I feel like this is something that has been super prevalent in my life probably for the last like two or three years, honestly. Um, specifically this year. But mm. yeah, as as you were talking, I was like, it's like the in-between steps. Like you're constantly on this journey hopefully upward. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, father Josh Johnson always says like God's will, God's way, God's time. And the last one is always the hardest. Um, cause I'm very much like, no, like it's, <laughs> it's now, like I want it now, you know? Um, so yeah, patience is a struggle, but it's like, yeah, being okay with, um, you know, like as you're climbing the steps, like, like being okay I don't know. It's kind of a weird image of like being suspended in between <laughs> steps. <laughs> like you're about to step onto the next one, but like you, you know, you can't yeah. quite, quite reach it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like a trusting process, which is like not how I used to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hmm. What well, to use Cameron's weightlifting analogy? What if the thing you're asking for and you want so much right now is way heavier than you could lift? Mm-hmm. And God is like, I'm going to get you there if you would just do the work right now that I'm asking you to do. Yeah. Right? Start with little dumbbells, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or else it would crush you if you received it, you know? Yeah. So there's power in the patience. Mm-hmm. It really is. Holiness right now, right? That's teaching of the council. Yep. Universal call. Holiness right now. You don't have to wait for that thing to happen eventually. You know, that call that you're ultimately going to land. Uh the state of life that you're ultimately going to find. God is doing something right (laughs) now. I remember hearing a presentation about this like Monday night. Rachel, do you remember that? About the universal call to holiness, that one? Yeah. Who gave that presentation? I don't know. Someone in this room though. Oh, yeah. Oh, who was it? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Nice. Nice. Edify us. What do you, tell us what the the most important thing from the universal call. What's the thing that really speaks the most to you about the universal call? You're called to be a saint. And uh, like for me, I didn't say this in the presentation uh, in order to not offend some people. But uh, (laughs) he's going to say it to you guys. I'll say it on Spotify. (laughs) Um, You know, like growing up, everyone's always like, oh, yeah, you're the future of the church. You're the future of the church. And like Father Matt's big on this or Father Matthew Dunn. uh, Yeah. Because (laughs) rebrand. But, uh, you know, everyone will say you're the future of the church, you're the future future of church to us, like our age range. And it's like, well, I've been confirmed. I'm already baptized because, you know, that's one of the steps for confirmation. It's like, in terms of like the church, like we're on the same plane as the laity, Mm -hmm. having both been confirmed and baptized. So it's like, you know, like respect me as like an adult in this church and like that I'm also called to the same thing you are in this moment. And like, I have a role to play just as you do. So that was the big thing for me. I think sometimes too, specifically with the people that we're having this dialogue with, like 
the reality is, is a lot of them are a lot older than us. And so I think it's easy for them to just kind of like think of us as kids and like in some mm-hmm. ways, like, yeah, we're young. Um, but yeah, like you said, like, you know, I don't think that my call to build the kingdom is any different than their call to build the kingdom. It's not. Um, and if anything, like as a college student, I have more of an opportunity to like go help facilitate those things than someone who like works full time, you know, and is Mm -hmm. just in an office. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, like part of the universal call to holiness that we kind of like, um, like magnified on Monday night was like, like that is your call to holiness is to like be holy at work, you know, like that's how you exemplify, you know, Christ to others. You got to tell those older brothers and sisters that blessed Carlo is wearing a tracksuit and Nikes <laughs> and he played PlayStation, you know, for seven hours a day, <laughs> <laughs> one hour a week, actually There you go. one hour a week. And you know how I know that? Because when my boys started asking us to, so we have family movie night since the mm-hmm. pandemic, it's Sunday night. And then we got a, a Nintendo switch so we could play with the minors. And the boys were like, can we have family video game night? And Adrian and I were like, I don't know. I don't think so. And they were like, blessed Carlo played one hour a week. It's like, dang. That's such a great card to pull. You got us there, boys. All right. I guess we can have family video game night. So now we do it like every other week. We give them an hour. Yeah. That's amazing. And his PlayStation is a relic, you know? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That's so funny. I said I saw something where it was like theoretically he could have looked at memes, which is hilarious to think <laughs> oh about. My God. Like like if like you look very at very early archaic memes. Right, uh, but like like old old yeah. saying yeah. old memes is weird, but y'all know what I mean. Do you think Wouldn't he got it? rickrolled? Oh my god. He could have. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be like the comics in the newspaper? Or those oh. memes? Ooh, no, nice, Rachel. Nice, oh my god. Nice. Some of them are definitely memeable. <laughs> right, right. So next time Matt's sending out a meme, he was like, this is for you, Carlo. This is for you. Patron saint of meme accounts coming up. That's right. That's right. That's That, that might be you one day. That could be your thing. Memento Mori, man. How did how did Matt evangelize the world? One Memes. meme at a time. That's right. <laughs> So to end this thing, I just thought it might be fun to think for a brief moment here. If you could make a or identify any biblical or or any figure from church history with the Taylor Swift song, you know, who would you match up here? Oh gosh. What do you got? Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, the first on. one that comes to mind. This is kinda like far, far, far out, but I was like Mm, St. Lawrence. What's like a song about burning? Another picture to burn. burn. Oh, oh good nice one. one. Good nice one. one. I think Augustine and All Too Well is uh. fits so well because he spends so much time remembering the past and what happened, you know? That is true. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Now my brain is just so full. <laughs> I know. The challenge is on, Catherine. You want another one? I do want another Which one. Which song yeah. would you associate with the prophet Ezekiel? Exile. Oh, come on. Good one. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all night, folks. (laughs) 
Anybody? Anybody? Oh my gosh. I'm I, on I guess you could do a question from Midnight's for Aquinas as well. You know? Oh, okay. He asks okay, a lot okay. of questions. Okay. Oh okay. my gosh, nice. wait. <laughs> oh, oh, Jaden, what wait. you got? Oh, Joseph and Wildest Dreams. Hey! Oh! Oh! There you go. That's great. That's good. That's good. That's These good. two men are still looking at song titles. <laughs> I actually just went to John Mayer's albums at this point. Oh my oh, god! I, I could look up Taylor Swift. Dear titles. John is. Um, oh well, no. Well, John writes the thing, so it's not like who's right. Who? No one writes to John. Give Give Dang me uh, the Desert Wondering for forty years and the John Mayer classic Waiting on the Day. Okay, he's got to insert John Mayer. Here. I would say that was kind of a cheat, in my opinion. Mm. I don't know Taylor Swift songs. So this I don't is a, either, but like old era Taylor. Got yeah, it. this is kind of cheating, but it's it's David in the song of uh, songs, and it's Lover from Taylor's album Lover. G- give me David dancing. Give me Solomon. Yeah, yeah. Give me David dancing with the Ark and shake it off. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. Matt comes through at the end with the big hit. Oh, man. That's so good. So good. Cameron's shaking his head. He just doesn't know what to say. I don't know. I got the clincher here. This is the end. The end it all right here. Jesus. End game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? What can you say? Lord, you are the end game, right? So, with that being said, uh, Taylor Swift, if you hear this, we love you, except for Matt. Um, Facts. If you, give, you know, if you give us backstage tickets, just leave Matt out of it. Facts. <laughs> Although, John Mayer, if you have backstage tickets for me, too, I'd take them, you know? I think you're a crazy good guitar player. But uh, you could find us at DunsPod on Twitter and at the Dunces Corner on Instagram, uh, alongside Rachel's Theology Instagram and the Aesthetic Aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> and you could email us at dunspod at gmail.com. And we are turning this time machine off, baby. So, peace, y'all. didn't she actually didn't that's just a rumor by the media <laughs> never trust the media right so i'm expecting Swifty? six years we should get a double album okay hold on imagine she gets married and then divorced oh, then it's gosh. like there will be a movie platinum album yeah right yeah no it's like what adele did that is that is pretty much what adele did see i don't follow up with adele no i Adele's not I'm not, not cool enough. I don't know if I'm a Swifty or if my Instagram feed thinks that I'm a Swifty <laughs> because I always get recommended like <gasps> these people okay. who are posting like Joe and Taylor broke up. I can't believe it because of Lavender Haze. I'm like, guys. <laughs> awkward story. Not too awkward, but.
You know how like phones, Apple phones can be like synced up on a family plan? Oh my gosh. All right. Yes, so it's the worst. Okay. So when I was like 13, I downloaded a period app to track my period. <laughs> and now whose phone does it show up on? Karen, well, welcome to the group. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so my dad like saw that this app was downloaded. I, I guess it automatically downloaded to his phone yes. too. Right, right. Yeah, that's a thing. And it was it was named something like kind of uh you know what? What's the word? Discreet. Yeah, it was named something kind of discreet. So. Was it super discreet, like flow? <laughs> no, it wasn't flow. I wanted. I, I think it was like PD Journal. <laughs> Why did you not hit record? I know. <laughs> but it was like like PD Journal, like period diary journal, whatever it was. Wow. And my my dad was like, "What is this?" And he's in when he opens this, he is in. A, a truck with his work friends on the way to like some kind of thing. So he opens it and he was like, and my dad, God bless him, is a very awkward man. So he was yes. like, <laughs> Cameron has no idea what he just walked into. Okay, the last episode that was published, yeah. you can hear <laughs> all of the mouth sounds. As I was listening to it, I was like, <laughs> but Rachel, <laughs> so it's like this. <laughs> yeah, okay, so like every time someone goes to say something, you literally can like hear their mouth open. And I'm like, that's too much for me. <laughs> Cameron's <laughs> swinging out his gun. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>